0: From grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And this is the best beer show on the internet. Darn right. I thought you were gonna go with tootin'. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, before we get too deep here, I want to give a big shout-out to the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. During the AHA, we'll give you discounts at homebrew shops, select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the fur link above our homepage and join today. I also want to give a big shout-out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornson, Tyler Romanski, Barrel Brewing, Brian Bryanson, and Devin Stinson. Uh, if you like to become a patron, head over to com. click on the patron link at the bottom of our homepage, or head over to Patreon.com slash and become a patron today. And while you're at our website at com, go ahead and click on that store link. Go check out some of our really cool merch. Uh, you can also just go straight to Teespring.com slash store slash studios. Are you okay there, Brian? Yeah, I am. I was looking at the chalkboard at the 2021 spill count, and it- <laughs> Uh yeah yep yeah, Lando Lando's on there
1: now <laughs> yeah I saw that <laughs> <laughs> so but Matt's still beating him yeah there's a, there's a chalkboard in the studio and we I don't know right. Oh, no, actually they're tied they right, tied one right one. things on there and one of them is for how you know how many times Matt spills and apparently uh, now also Lando yeah Lan-
0: well so studio dog is on there. this this is beer related uh so I made I made a horrible horrible mistake um after I got Lando. I taught him how to cheers a pint glass. Oh, my God. Yeah. I see where with this his, is going. With his nose. And to be fair, Drunk Casey thought it was adorable,
1: and so did everybody else. Well, wow, wasn't it Drunk Casey that got the dog in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any other Casey that would buy a home with a pool and then also a dog and... <laughs> Man, you're going through some changes, man. I'm just becoming an old man as fast <laughs> as I can. Well, you already wear the old man clothes. Hey. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: anyway, so yeah. So I taught him to cheers. So he like, he taps the pint glass with his nose and it's super ah, adorable. It's adorbs. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's going to be a problem.
0: It is a problem. <laughs> it did not take long to uh, where he learned that any full pint glass, if he went up and touched his nose to it, he got a big reaction from everybody. Yeah. Because he, yeah, and so he's not knocked over a beer oh gosh um yeah it's it's one of his favorite things lovely yep and that was my fault 110 my fault um besides that uh i have been using the brew father app oh. um i completed my first brew with it uh it was a tropical stout and i have some comments one really like the layout uh it's super cool like uh going through a brew day with it well, it was very intuitive and it was fantastic. I was able to just take the beer XML from BeerSmith that I uh, with the existing recipe, or if you download one of our Every Style Challenge recipes, you can just import that directly into the app. Really? Yep. That's neat. Um, and then uh, one thing I didn't like was the ungodly, irritating alarm sound. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and uh, fun fact: if you start a brew on your phone. And you happen to have the website up on your, say, office computer. Um, y- and you silence the alarm on your phone. It doesn't silence it on the office computer. Oh. and it makes a really fun noise. So
1: what was it yesterday when when I called you? Yeah, and that weird noise, you were like, "What's that beeping noise?" And I'm like, there's no beeping on my end." And then you yeah, it was it was it was the brew app. Oh funny. <laughs> so don't like that oh,
0: um, but yeah other, other than that like it's it's very slick it's easy to use um, I'll have a more like when we when we revisit some of these again um, I'll do yeah, more yeah import
1: them and do more yeah
0: but yeah it's uh, I, I really like it you guys awesome. should check it out um, and it's on my cell phone which was nice I didn't have to like keep referring back to my laptop like I have
1: to oh. do with Beersmith wild yeah <laughs> what about you Brian Oh, uh, beer related. I just got back from Florida. Um, I had a really great time. Yeah, I have a lot of cigar city? It uh, z- zero uh, because I tried to find other other things things. Uh, and then you know I had you know you, you've got to go places with with um, in laws and family, and then uh, there were some other friends. Uh, it, it was blo- I was blown away by all the, the people that I knew that were, like, down that way. I guess, I guess with every city now, with how, you know, everything's so expansive and, you know, everyone's communicating on the Internet, it's really a lot easier to, like, run into people that you know or, you know, figure mm-hmm. out where they are. So anyway, some old friends of of Jenny's, they took us to a place called BJ's, which was basically like Granite City. Oh, yeah, I've been to a BJ's. Yeah, and they had the kind of their house beer, um... The beer that I ran into that I that I kept drinking was called High Five, which was Fort Myers Brewing, I believe. I just kept running into it everywhere, and I'm like, okay, well, I don't know anything else, and and I'm like, I've already had High Life a hundred million times, and even though even though it's like kind of like we go to the local place downtown here and we order Bell's Too Hearted. Yep. Because it's like because always it's bells a too hard decision. And, you know, whatever.
0: And we're tired of Spotted Cow.
1: Yeah, I don't... I <laughs> actually make it a point to try and not drink Spotted Cow. How dare you! It's, it's always funny when people are like, what's that? What's the Wisconsin one? And like, you overhear people in the bar and it's always like, oh, yawn, I'll just pour you Spotted Cow. Yeah, that's so. how you can tell somebody's a mud duck. Indeed, <laughs> you know, mud. Ducks. That brewery's not bad either. I still don't understand that Minnesotans, Wisconsin people call Minnesotans mud ducks, because all their stupid muddy lakes. <laughs>
0: Whatever. Anyway,
1: <laughs> Gordon knows I'm not wrong. <laughs> Just that was not that wasn't even a good explanation.
0: Stupid muddy <laughs> lakes, blah. Mud ducks, did flatlanders, cheesehead, eupers, and berry pickers. Well, Gordon's not Mike, so we're just going to ignore everything he
1: says. I think I heard it picked up on the mic. <laughs> and people really want they can rewind it and turn it up. Right. Anyway, it's so, yeah, it went to a BJ's. They had World of Beer down there, which is interesting. I never made it into one of those, but uh, I... Yeah, we always hit one uh, in Orlando. It's one yeah. of our first spots. Um, so I had tried some, uh, gosh, is it Funky Buddha Hop Gun? or hop, No, Hop Cannon, I think it was. Called. Funky Buddha has a Hefeweizen that's really good, too. Mm-hmm. So had some of that. Some BJ's had some Fort Myers Brewing. Um, over, overall, uh, a good experience. Um, there was only one beer that I had that was like pretty well loaded with DMS, and if it takes me more than four seconds to pull it up, I'm not going to tell you what it is. And it was man, Untapped has so many ads now, dude. I haven't, I haven't used it in so long. mother of God, I haven't used it in so long. And now I was checking into these beers, and it's like you can't just check into one and then flip to another. You got to go throw these cards and ads, and like they've really they've monetized the shit out of this, like to the point where I'm like, I don't want. Gotta get that neckbeard money, man. God, right. Um, I tried G13 by Sweetwater Brewing, 420 strain. I tried Free Dive by Coppertail. F- Mm, five Pale Ale by North High Brewing. Um, Hop Storm IPA at BJ's. Hop Culture. Oh, no, that's an ad again. God damn it. Anyway, whatever. F you untapped because I can't find anything. I don't remember what the beer was, but it was horrible and it was loaded with DMS, and I, you know, obviously won't probably try it again. So. Yeah, but good time in Florida and yeah. Casey, you I did my thing. Yeah, yep. you yeah. Know. So why
0: don't we? Uh, so uh, we are continuing our discussion on brew like a monk, mm-hmm. or as uh, Bjorn has put it, <laughs> blam blam, which
1: I, I I really really like. This is blam the series. We should um, like get a a noise like a stinger with just that's like a, a blam a bullet ricocheting maybe or something. I don't know well, that's More of like a twing. Uh, Yeah, I know. I just I think it would accent it. It's like one of those things where it's like not a blam, but it's a.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll we'll see. Tang. Tang.
1: A little spittoon, old timey spittoon sound. No, no, because then Gordon will start, you know, spitting and missing the spittoon completely. Well, yeah, his aim is
0: terrible. We know that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um all right
0: so uh with this we are we are not quite taking um nearly as literal of an approach um with this book as we did with the new ipa book um mostly because there's there's not a like there's there's a lot of um i guess history and backstory and stuff like that in this book versus actual like scientific
1: brewing content do we need to grab a Belgian beer from the beer fridge.
0: Uh, yeah, actually, if you want to go, yeah, I can we, do that. Or uh, we, we can put Gordon. Yeah, on Gor- I forget there's Gordon. A, I, there's a. I believe it's an, uh, a chame. I already forgot Gordon door. was here. Right. <laughs> um. This is this is actually the second time we've done this in this. Uh, forgot about or,
1: Gordon? <laughs> no, no, no. I uh, forgot about the beer while recording this episode. Oh shit! We did this last time. Yep. Of course we did. <laughs> did you Did you say that? Did you say why, or we said something about Lando or whatever? Yeah, right? Lando ate the episode, and okay. he <laughs> ate my floppy disk. And wasn't, you thought that was a real thing? Wasn't the other thing, which was that we were just too drunk to
0: do yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's and actually, uh, uh, patrons can go back and rewatch that episode. Yeah, over and over, over and over <laughs> and over. Live in our shame. <laughs> yeah. Oh um, yeah. So we have
1: a uh, Chimay, um Grand Reserve. Yeah, it's the blue label um, is the is the Grand Reserve. So if you're not familiar with Schme or if you are, that's that's what yep. we're doing.
0: Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, we're we're doing a little bit of a different thing with this. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about brewing tradition and having a discussion around it. Where is like what what can we learn from brewing? Like, are are is brewing traditionally important? Um, what can we learn from traditional brewing? Where should we stop with tradition and focus more on like the the new techniques? or is is there a spot where they blend? Um, and do we get hung up too, too hung up on it? Um, but first we're gonna talk about like the monas- uh, monastic uh, traditions that, that the monks use. So it is like it's a very ritualistic. The, the like they they focus on, you know, like just making the beer and doing that. Um, I had I had a whole thing prepared, and then like it kind of went away uh, <laughs> in my head. Oh. I was yeah, I was doing a thing. I apologize, but yeah, no. So it's it's all it's very tradition focused. Uh, the like the these Trappist um, these Trappist traditions. Um, I mean, it was right there.
1: Like. Help me out here, Brian. Yeah, sorry. Well, we're talking about monastic brewing tradition. Um, so there are. do we go over how many uh, Trappists? Yep, we did that in the in the precursor we episode. Did that in the precursor episode. Okay. Now my face is
0: all red, and you put me on the spot. <laughs> it's fine. All right. So uh, when, when we're talking about this, like we are like. They're, these are monks in an abbey making beer um, they have some like they, they have they have modern tools and marketing and all that but they are doing like very traditional um, styles and they haven't really changed th- the way that they brew um, at the fundamental level they're they're still like it's they're, they're making the same beer, essentially, that they were making it's, it's hundreds of years ago. still basically Reinheitsgebouw, in a, in a sense. Yeah. But in but it's, yeah, but it's, it's in Belgium. Well, not, in, not just in Belgium, but...
1: Well, that, that's true. That's true. But we're talking about, like, so some key dates. Um, and, they're,
0: and, like, the knowledge is passed from monk to monk versus, like, they don't bring somebody in and then, like have or send them to a school like Siebel Institute or something like it's it's passed from monk to monk.
1: It's all it's all very traditional. Right. So in this book they've got key dates in in Trappiston Monastery Brewing and five thirty is the year. Five thirty is the first year that this sort of anything pops up. So the rule of Saint Benedict is written, uh, which we can get into that more later, but and to this day it it remains uh, the reason why monks brew and sell beer. So fast forward to fourteen. I'm sorry, to uh, 1098. The Order of Cistercians is founded, which is what Trappist monks are essentially. They're essentially they are Cistercian, Cistercian, Shean monks, um, and they, you know, around 1098, they started promoting a stricter set of rules. Than the Benedictines. So the monks resurrect Orval Monastery in 1132, which was abandoned by the Benedictine order. Uh, Roquefort in 1464, uh, La Trappe in 1656. Um, the French government suppresses them all completely in 1790. Uh, monks are fleeing France by the 1800s, trying to head to America. Uh, and found a Trappist Monastery at Vestmal. Uh, in 1830, there is independence in Belgium from the Netherlands. Uh, 1836, Vestmal starts, they start brewing there. Fast forward a few years later, brewing begins at West of Vlederen, established as a monetary five years earlier than that. Uh, Westmall starts a monetary, monastery at Akel, Aichel. Aichel however you want you to say sure, yeah. Uh, and brewing begins in 1852, so 1850, Shimei is founded, uh, they start brewing beer in 1862, 1899, Roquefort resumes brewing 12 years after monks from Akel re-established their abandoned monastery, so it seems like all these monasteries were started, you know, um, by monks from other monasteries, so then... The, uh, in 1919 the government prohibits the sale of spirits in bars and other public places helping to create demand for stronger beers and so that's you know why we're sitting here with these 10% Belgian beers um, 1922 Westmall begins using the dark sugar syrup, also called candy sugar, so C A N D I. We went over that a little bit in the first. Yeah, we we touched on it, but we haven't we haven't dug deep into it yet. So this makes the beer stronger without bloating its body, which in fact makes the body lighter. Um, and so that was around 1922. 1925 uh, is when the actual trademarks for the first like the first Trappist trademark uh, happens, and that is the uh, Okay, What is that's an octagon, right? <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Two, four, six. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, it's a hexagon. Hexagon. Six-sided hexagon. hexagon. I I can't, I don't know shapes anymore. Sorry,
0: I was just agreeing with you because I was reading other things.
1: I know. We do that all the time where you're, yeah, I get that. So anyway, it's a hexagon and it says authentic Trappist product. And that's their little um, mark that it's actually Trappist. Uh, 1932 Orval rebuilds. Thirty-four West Mall completes construction of a modern quote-unquote brewery, uh, selling their triple, and this is the first pale Trappist beer, actually. Um, 1946, uh, West Valeteran decides to de-emphasize brewing, and their uh, deal is struck to have their beer brewed at St. Sixtus. Uh, 1948, the actual famous Chimay yeast was is isolated and they blew blue brew uh, the very beer we're drinking right now so the blue or grand reserve as a Christmas beer and this is 1948. as we move into 1955 and into the 60s and the 90s 55 uh, the monks are brewing uh, Roquefort 8 which is another one that you can find uh, and that is the last new beer that that Roquefort introduces 1962 there's a trade court in Ghent and they rule that only Trappist monasteries can use the appellation Trappistin beer or Trappistin beer. Uh, And then fast forward all the way to 1992, West Valeteran ends a 46-year contract brewing deal with St. Bernardus, which uh, is the same as St. Sixtus, I guess. So in any case, St. Bernardus, and they resume all control over the beer that they sell. So West Valeteran is, you know, like that's the... what the the pinnacle of
0: Yeah, it's what, number one beer in the world. Westy 12.
1: 12, Big deal, hard to get. Nearly impossible these days. And St. Bernardus, after they relinquish the West of Lederan, they start producing their own beer, which I'm sure you've seen. 1998, Aeschel resumes brewing. And now, Aeschel doesn't Anymore, is that what I think? Aeschel was I, the one I that I think I'd, I'd have to go back and go back and um, yeah, yeah. so
0: that, I mean, that's yeah, and
1: that's like a good rundown of history. So, 1992 brings us basically to current of yeah. what is sort of going on at minus, least current to this book, right? To this book, or minus um, the and then
0: the uh, so the the big thing I think that we need to focus on in there um, is the uh, the St. Gall Monastery Plan, which. Uh, is, like, the oldest known written record of how these monasteries should build their breweries. So this was in 820. 820. Yeah. And so the the plan called for a monastery to have three different breweries, one for for making beer for guests, a second for the brothers, and a third for pilgrims and the poor. Guests, noblemen, and royal officials drank a beer made from wheat and barley, while others consumed one brewed from oats. The brewery uh, making beer for pilgrims and paupers was only a little more than half the size of the one. For brothers, to satisfy all the needs for guest poppers and brothers in the monastery, the size of the one in the ideal St. Gall plan would have to produce about 350 to 400 liters of beer per day, almost what Chimay uh, brewed just before World War I and One, an estimated 1,200 to 1,400 hec- hectoliters in 1914. So looking at this plan, a lot of breweries didn't have... Um, the, the capacity to have three different breweries so what they did um, for like this, the tradition of brewing different quality beers for different customers persisted throughout the middle ages um, and the renaissance by then monasteries uh, would only have one brew house um, and they would use the second and third runnings from a single mash to make weaker
1: beer, so this is where we start talking about party guile.
0: Yes, uh, yeah, which is the, the the term for it. So basically, very
1: certainly, we've done an episode on, on party, party guy. um, or yeah. talked about this. Yep, many and times. so just
0: uh, just uh, as a quick recap, party is you take um, you you p- take the first runnings, put that in the kettle, and that's beer one. Um, and the second runnings uh, is beer two. Like, completely separate beers. Um, a good way of looking at it is if you look at, like, Scottish ales, um, a wee heavy will usually be the first runnings, and then they'll do, like, uh, 80 shilling or something like that, or 60 shilling for the second.
1: Scottish at that point rather than Scotch. Yep. Um, man, this beer, is, <laughs> this beer is really good. It's very good. It's Holy fantastic. Moly. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so the only one, uh, the only brewery... Uh, and when this book came out, the only brewery still following that um, was West Vlaterin. Um They keep touch with the uh, custom of St. Gall by brewing um, 8 and 12 on the same day. Um, so 12 goes is the, is the stronger beer so that like, the first runnings go there, and then the, the final runnings go into 8. Um, and the only reason they do this is because that's the tradition. Like they, like that's, that's why they do it. Um, and so that kind of brings us to a little bit of, or I guess the, the wider discussion that I wanted to have, uh, based off of this, um, is tradition, is, is brewing traditionally important, Brian? Like, is, is that something that we should strive to do as home brewers or pro brewers is try to, try to focus on the tradition and like the importer and eschew that for most everything? No. So like tra- tradition should be important no I, like I, think, number I think one
1: with with everything you, you there's progress and there is um, you know te- technological advancement and it only serves to make better, product.
0: Then what's what's then why do we why do we care like books like brew like a monk like ones that die or historical brewing, like books that dive into the tradition. Is there something that we
1: can gain from that? I would say so. I mean, we a lot of what you're doing with brewing anyway is tradition. I mean, we still say louder That's a German word that means separate liquid from solid. So I mean, I think like any like literally anything that you really enjoy learning about you need to understand the roots and but do do we need to really understand how they brewed 500 years ago to brew now on a modern system not at all but is it is it fun will will it will it sort of enhance the hobby i think so
0: do you think knowing the history makes you a better brewer than somebody who doesn't not necessarily that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I, I, uh, th- I mean, these, these are all just like kind of like things that are. What do you think? Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very torn. One, like, I like you. I enjoy learning about the history. Yeah. Um, I but don't think it's necessary. I, I feel like, I feel like there's a point where knowing the history holds you back in certain ways, and we've, we've seen this, uh, like, on this show where we have given answers to things. Um, and the reason was, well, that's just how it was always done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've had to kind of eat our words a lot. Yeah. Based off of like, okay, we're so entrenched in tradition and how we were taught and that. Like we were relatively close-minded to, to changes and new things just because, well, that's just not how it's done. I mean, and I, so I, I feel like yeah. tradition at that point is more of a hindrance than a help. Because you're so focused on, well, we've always done it that way. Like, what's, uh, we were, last episode, um, we were, like, we were uh, trying the triple five. Mm -hmm. And that has a double decoction. And we're like, we can't taste the difference in a decoction.
1: Malts are modified enough now. I don't know many people that can. If you want to use under-modified malt and go through all that trouble, that's fine. And that's another argument to... to you know, to not necessarily not follow tradition, follow tradition because, um, and
0: like, there's now like a big push technological towards, advancement. There's there's now a big push towards no boil, and That's like weird, no, but why?
1: Because because tradition, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> because tradition and because you know, I don't know, man, paranoia. And, I mean, like, no, but like, a,
0: but a lot of that, like, is uh, a lot of your paranoia is anecdotal. And traditional. Well, it's like that's like hot side deal pickup.
1: You know, it's like it's that's bullshit.
0: Yeah, like but again, tradition. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like there's there's a point where you you're so focused on well this is how they did it, um, this is how it's always been done. This is the way we need to do it. And I feel like going through the the IPA book right before we went this, where it threw a lot of that stuff on its head um was really good and it's kind of it's kind of made me think like well how really like in, tradition is important tradition is cool but how much of that is overriding yeah progress
1: i would say i would say a, a few things are 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 happening that way especially with this no <laughs> this no boil thing or this like don't do a 90 minute boil do you know you know you can get away with a 40 minute boil i just uh. Yeah, but why i don't know tradition like yeah
0: and it just and it, and it feels wrong for a reason and you can't quite figure it out and then it's just it just boils down uh pun intended uh to tradition mm-hmm. um i don't know it's 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 something like uh, that i want to try to keep in mind while we're going through this book is this is how they're doing it this is this is but like keep it just kind of keep it uh keep it in mind like hey this is tra- like a lot of this is tradition. It's not necessarily the best way to do something, right? Um, and then, like we get we get to like brew like a monk as more of a philosophy, where it's like it it's just beer. Like it's it's a meditative act of brewing and doing that, and yeah, right. Zen in the art of brewing. Yeah, pretty much. All right, I don't really have anything else to add. I think I think I got on my soapbox uh, on how tradition's stupid and we should only do new things all the time. Oh my god. <laughs> no, every all listeners know that we are more steeped in tradition than we care to admit. That's yeah, definitely true.
1: All right. Uh, is there anything you would like to add? No, that was a pretty short chapter. Uh, I think we do have one listener mail. Are we going to do that? Uh, or gonna...
0: let's, let's do the one from Michael and then we'll talk about CBC um, a little farther down the road when we actually get to that in the book. Got it. Oh, Uh, I see the Michael one. Yep, yep. Hops question. My homebrew shop had a bonkers sale on African Queen hops, so I bought like 10 ounces for $10. Nice. Uh, Thing is, I've never heard of them before, and I'm unsure what to do with them. It looks like uh, they are a good aroma hop, so I was going to do a very basic IPA with an ounce or two of Magnum for bittering, um, and then a flame out and dry hop with the Africa Queen. Uh, is there anything you folks would suggest for this hop in particular or ways to try new experimental hops in general we kind of touched on this last week um, yeah. with with the follow-up to this uh, notes are yeah a little stale sorry guys That's but, fine. Uh, but but it's it's a it's a good uh, or, so he's like I tried making a little uh, hop tea and to be honest my poor palate just can't tell what I'm tasting without the rest of the beer part then get the beer part involved yep uh, yeah uh, my recommendation is go get a basic American lager <laughs> Um and something like with not a ton of hot profile and then uh, pop some pellets in there
1: yeah and, and
0: put and it back in the fridge for a couple
1: hours and then try it your your uh, your instinct or your research was good like this is i think Af- from what i know about african queen is that it was like proprietary budweiser oh okay um, somebody, you know, prove me wrong. I I'm that's what I remember and I I think you, you know, you obviously you used to not be able to get it unless you got it at Northern Brewer, which is owned by Budweiser. Okay? So getting it on a commercial scale wasn't wasn't possible and I myself I'm sourcing some Africa African Queen now uh for a pilot system cuz I can finally you know get it in an amount where I can actually use it. I you know, I we buy forty four pound boxes of hops. that's what we use on a commercial scale and don't often use it much less than that. So from what I know about African Queen, this is definitely your more of your aroma uh, type of hop um good ups on um magnum for bittering and I can't did we do a listener mail last week from Michael that yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So so he's keyed into that nice clean bitterness that Magnum or Warrior would yeah. provide. Yeah. Um, but But uh, yeah, like that the hop tea thing. Just throw it in throw it into a a glass of like a like a smaller three or four or five ounce glass of beer and and um you know taste it. Taste it. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah,
0: tasting hot, like, so tasting grain is super easy. It's,
1: it's not always going to be It's not going to be per- perfect, but it'll give you an idea. But you will get a good idea, yeah, so. We should maybe, maybe we could do an experiment sometime of throwing a few pellets into some beers. Yeah, yeah, like we'd, uh, like Rick and I
0: did with the uh, the crystal tasting. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, that brings us to the end of the show for this week, which means I need to find the outro music in- Perfect. All right, guys, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at Find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash studios. Follow us on Twitter at Blind Ninja, or find us on Instagram at BlindNinjaStudios. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace.